This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 173, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, June 4th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. This is uh, episode 173. It's our Comic Reviews episode for the comics released Wednesday, June 4th. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Uh, this week's episode, uh, thankfully, is on time. Woohoo! Um, and our next episode, uh, for those looking forward already, is uh, episode 174. I had originally teased, I think a week or so ago, that it was we were going to try and do something kind of special uh, or something different for the podcast. Um, we're still working on trying to do that. Um, so if that ends up happening, I'm, I don't really want to say too much about it in case it doesn't end up happening. I think there's only one listener who actually knows what I'm talking about, and that's AJ Reese. So if you want to know what I'm being so cloak and dagger about, just talk to him. Um, otherwise, um, instead, this week we're going to have our uh, top five Avengers storylines episode. Um, now, this episode, I'm glad to say uh, it was a, about a two hour podcast. Uh, probably a little bit hard to listen to at times because uh, we had Paul Scores and myself in the studio, and then on Skype we had. Uh, Nathan and Amber struck, so there is a little bit of cross-talking. It's, it's unavoidable when you're dealing with a Skype conversation, uh, especially when you have two on one end and two on the other, so it, it could be, could have been a little bit better, um, but it is a, a solid two hours, a lot of Avengers uh, conversation, uh, a lot of modern Avengers stuff. Um, we don't shy away from the fact that, especially for where uh, Paul is concerned, his uh, experience with the Avengers is a lot more modern. Um, whereas I am the only one who really went older, and there was a, a bunch of classic Avenger stories I actually didn't end up referencing, um, just because as much as they're quote-unquote classic, I don't necessarily think they're some of the best, or mo- at least not the most enjoyable for myself to read, personally. Uh, so that's something you can look forward to in our next episode, which will be coming out hopefully around Friday this week. Uh, so let's jump into comics that came out uh, last week. Um, we're going to start off with Action Comics 32, which uh, I guess I missed an issue or two, but this is the first issue of Superman Doomed Enemy of the State. Um, I have to admit, as much as the whole thing kind of seemed silly when I first saw it solicited, it's actually ended up being a lot more interesting than I would have originally expected. Um, I like that they're moving in phases. Uh, First, Superman had to deal with being infected. Uh, Now he's kind of being clarified as being an enemy of the state, um, which is definitely an interesting way to go. Uh, The fact that Lois Lane has kind of turned on him, so to speak, uh, Greg Pak wrote this with artwork by Scott Collins, which at times it didn't really look like Scott Collins, and not in the the, the good way. Uh, there are some awkward shots of Wonder Woman, though, where her breasts look ridiculous. Um, really, this issue is about Superman trying to like, kind of sequester himself and trying to fight the doomsday uh, kind of virus within him. Um, the U.S. government's just trying to like take take a shot at him, and Corbin's there, and they kind of try to kind of take out Superman. Instead, all they end up doing is kind of uh, weakening the Superman part of him and allowing the Doomsday virus to kind of take hold more more permanently. My, my only issue with this type of story is that I think it works better in the pre-New 52 universe. And the reason why I say that is because there already seems to be such a um, kind of a distrust of superhumans in general in the modern DC universe that wasn't originally present in the classic uh, pre-New 52 DC universe. And I think the whole idea of him kind of being infected is a lot more devastating when he is revered as being kind of the greatest person on Earth. Uh, Whereas here, where they're always kind of not quite sure, and sometimes they think that they're more of a menace, like, that doesn't really ring true. So this storyline doesn't feel like it's going to have as much of an impact on that, um, in that perspective. Um, That being said, I I did enjoy this. Um, 
I, I thought it, it, it took a little long with the whole Corbin stuff, and I think maybe this could have been condensed to half an issue, to be honest, but um, I still enjoyed most of it. The art by Collins, again, kind of the weakest work I've ever seen from him. I'm going to give it about a six and a half overall. Uh, moving on, we're going to jump companies, and we're going to go over to uh, All New X Factor. Uh, All New X Factor, this is what, issue number nine. Uh, Peter David and Carmine Domenico continue their run. Um, so here we have the aftermath of what happened in the last issue where they kind of abduct a child. Um, and this child kind of dealing with who has who has um, kind of uh, protected her and, uh, and saved her life, so to speak, if she's actually saved. Uh, how the team is kind of dealing with this. Um, I mean, it's definitely a character-centric issue. Uh, Gambit gets himself into some hot water with uh, Mr. Snow, Harrison Snow's wife. Um, we're not really sure where we're, where this is going, but uh, it's interesting we've got this Memento Mori character shows up. Um, I liked it. Again, it was more of a... It's kind of what this book has been about. It's not about these big, sprawling adventures. It's more of these uh, more character-centric moments and these kind of fun little stories. Still digging it. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Not the strongest issue of the series so far, but definitely enjoyable. Uh, next up is Amazing X-Men number 8. Uh, this sees the return of Ed McGinnis to the book. Uh, now that I guess he had a few issues off. And now we have Craig Kyle and Kyle Yost. Um, sorry, not Craig Kyle. Uh, Craig Kyle and Chris Yost jumping on for World War Wendigo. This is part one. Um, a little excessive violence uh, at times, but I do enjoy the idea of the story. And again, McGinnis has a very kind of classic look here. He does feel like he's pared down his characters as we have Wolverine going and visiting uh, Heather Hudson, which I kind of wonder where, what the status quo was there after the uh, recent, relatively recent Alpha Flight book where it seemed like uh, uh, Heather and uh, James were on the outs, kind of, and she was raising their daughter. And now I don't really see a child, and now the husband's missing. Um, it's kind of a weird uh, tactic to take. Uh, Storm is not so happy because Iceman let Wolverine kind of take off. Um, and they're, they're trying to find out where Wolverine is in Canada because he always ends up in a scrape when he goes there. Um, they're on the search for uh, James Hudson, who it looks like something grisly may or may not have happened to him uh, based on this one shot of Wendigo kind of approaching him. Uh, again, the violence here is a little kind of potentially much. I'm hoping um, they don't you know, kill off Guardian or Vindicator because I like them both as characters. I do like kind of this idea that there's the Wendigos are kind of going wild and Wolverine in his depowered state is having to go up against them. Um, the art is gorgeous. I like the way that the storyline's been uh, set up. I'm actually going to give it a 9 out of 10. I think it was just a lot of fun. Um, again, McGinnis' artwork is just superb. Uh, next up is Avengers uh, World, number 7. Uh, if we finally kind of get back to uh, what I think happened in issue 3 with uh, Shang-Chi being thrown off of uh, Magipur, as finally we're getting a little bit more of... Um, uh, follow up to that as Sam Wilson kind of sees him kind of falling or sorry he doesn't see him but he ends up kind of being engaged with these Chinese superheroes or kind of like trying to be uh, they're called spear uh, the idea of being the shield in the west and the spear in the east is to, to keep uh, you know keep to protect the earth so you have these new this new team which is kind of cool I, I like seeing new characters and hopefully I actually get to see them do something cool uh, Monkey King's there uh, they're known as the Ascendants, um, and it looks like Shang-Chi is alive, and the uh, Falcon is teaming up with these Ascendants. I liked it. Um, a lot of kind of exposition, uh, introducing these characters, it, 
kind of interrupts a bit of the flow of the story, but I do like the idea of kind of built again building this world. Um, so I do appreciate that, and I also like the Falcon is the kind of the uh, the primary point man for this story in terms of the narration. So it's by Nick Spencer and artwork by Stefano Caselli. Uh, next up is Batman Eternal. This is what issue number nine now. Uh, this issue is written by. Well, let's get to the laundry list of uh, of our of people who contributed. Uh, it's written by stories by Scott Snyder and James Tinney in the fourth, with a script by John Lehman, with Ray Fox and Tim Seeley as contributing writers, and Guillaume March is on art. And I do not, I'm not a big fan of his art. Um, there's some shots here, like the first major shot of, of Catwoman is ridiculous in terms of her dimensions and way her legs are moving. Um, I don't really like his take on Batman either. Um, I also think it's misleading. He's in Hong Kong, and there's a character that, honestly, if you didn't tell me it was someone different, I would have thought it was Catwoman. Um, instead, it's someone who kind of looks like Catwoman, but is supposed to be someone else, and she may or may not be, be very critically wounded at the end of this issue. Um, this is kind of a... It's a weird little... Um, uh, side story in terms of Batman going to Japan and dealing with uh, what's going on there and kind of finding out what why Carmine, Fal Carmine Falcone left there and going back to Gotham. Uh, it looks like this character he interacts with is actually Julia Pennyworth, so it may or may not have any relation to Alfred, although we're led to assume that there is. I am interested to see what's going to happen with Catwoman and Falcone, especially knowing that somewhere in the Eternal, Catwoman's going to end up being the new kingpin of crime. It's interesting to see how we might get there. Uh, so I like that, but the artwork isn't that great. Um, the story felt a little bit more off kilter, and uh, like the the larger narrative wasn't being served as well. I don't think. Uh, although finding out more about what Falcone's been doing for the last little while was interesting. Uh, based on the the lack of strength in the art, I'm going to end up giving it just a five out of ten. I still like the series. Don't get me wrong, but the art was just not to my taste, and the story definitely did take a misstep. So that's why I gave it a five. Uh, next up is Black Widow number 7. I continue to absolutely adore this book. Uh, this is by Nathan Edmondson and Phil Noto. This is a little bit of a... It felt like a quieter issue, but you have uh, Black Widow being in San Francisco and having a bit of a team-up with Daredevil. Um, uh, not really a team-up, but having an interaction with Daredevil. It's There's a lot of action in here and kind of seeing how she interacts with the life that she's living. Um, it's hard to really describe what happens in an issue because all the issues kind of feel the same, but they feel at the same time completely different. And there's just a strong sense of tone and self. Like Nathan Edmondson knows exactly what he's doing with this story and how he wants to portray Black Widow. And I'm absolutely loving every moment of it. Although I do admit it's not for everyone. It's a little bit, um, I don't know, at times it's a little simplistic. Uh, it's a little different. Uh, the sensibility is definitely different and slower, but I love it personally. Uh, next up is Captain America 21 by Rick Remender with artwork by Nick Klein. Um, I'm kind of ready for the storyline to be over. It just kind of feels like like this Gugnir, you know, thing is they're kind of riding Gugnir and trying to stop it from doing what it's doing. Uh, Captain America versus the Iron Nail, who I wish I understood more of how he became this way and why. Um, you know, and Falcon kind of gets involved, and they're both fighting against the Iron Nail. And the end of the issue, like, I don't really get what's supposed to have happened to Captain America here, and he suddenly looks super old and weathered. Um, so I don't really, I guess something that may have happened to his, uh, his, um, his serum, because, I mean, the, the name of the story is Super Soldier No War, but I feel like I really missed something here. Um, 
I just feel like the storyline's kind of going on. It has gone on too long, and uh, it kind of has feels like it's lost its way. It had a lot of momentum, and I feel like it kind of lost it. So I'm gonna give it a five out of ten as a result. Uh, next up is Earth Two Twenty Four, which remains consistently interesting and fun. Um, I love the artwork by Nicholas Scott. Tom Taylor doing a great job on the story. I like that we're having you know Flash and Green Lantern and Hawkgirl or Hawkwoman, sorry, are getting more of the focus again because a lot of the book was originally centered on them until Tom Taylor took over. So I do like that there's more of a focus on them and Green Lantern kind of really trying to show that he's supposed to protect the Earth and uh, also Batman dealing with uh, Val and kind of being like, why, why are you like this? You have to, you know, you can't just be non-violent. You have to be able to you know, stand up and take a stand. Uh, Jimmy Olsen's pretty awesome here. Uh, in terms of how he really dresses down Batman. Um, Green Lantern, again, is pretty badass here in terms of what he's able to do and the way he stands up to the invading hordes. Um, the last page is pretty cool when Val takes off, you know, the uniform, uh, the shirt he's with the hoodies been wearing to show the S-Shield underneath, which definitely raises some questions. Um, I really dig this. It's just a lot of fun. It's a good comic. Um, it's obviously really centered on the kind of the dire nature of things at the moment, but... Um, I am enjoying it, although I do miss the days when it wasn't didn't seem so dire. Uh, next up is uh, Loki, Agent of Asgard, number five. Um, this is really great. I think it's ending, not ending, I think it's taking hiatus during Original Sin. Uh, I think Original Sin, Thor, and Loki is taking the place of this, as well as uh, the current Mighty Thor book. I'm not really sure about that. Um, but uh, this was, a, again, another fun issue with... Um, Loki and Lorelai trying to kind of penetrate um, As Asgardia so they can get in there. Uh, and theoretically, they're supposed to free Sigurd, but really there's more to it than that as Loki is trying to find what else is, uh, is, is so secure in Asgardia and comes face to face with himself. Um, which brings up a lot of questions as to how this all makes sense, but I'm glad that they're finally kind of confronting it and how Loki is dealing with this and who he could be and who he is and. Um, it, it remains a very charming, fun book. Uh, the creative team of Al Ewing and uh, Garbit on Art is just doing a, a phenomenal job. There's just a, such a great sense of fun here. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, next up is, I believe, Magneto number 5. Now, this is written by Cullen Bunn with art by uh, Fernandez, uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walta. Uh, sorry. Um, I'm still not a big fan of how Magneto is being illustrated in terms of the art, but I do like that here he's dealing with this character who's kind of stalking him, kind of find out more about this character, uh, and it kind of sets him on a path where he hopefully will go up um, against the Marauders, which should be interesting considering how Magneto is a little bit depowered these days, and uh, it, this character, we're also seeing how this character kind of got to be the way she is in terms of having lost her leg. Um, this is kind of a quieter issue for Magneto, but it was still enjoyable. I'm going to give it a 7. Uh, sorry I'm going relatively fast, but uh, limited time for this particular reviews episode. Uh, next up we have New 52 Features End, number 5. Um, let's see, how do I feel about this? Oh, you know what? I don't think I read this at all. <laughs> I thought I read this story, and it would appear, looking at it now, that I haven't read it at all, um, which should tell you something, because um, I didn't feel like I missed anything. So I guess I won't be talking about this issue. Um, 
I haven't really been a big fan of the series so far, but maybe this issue will turn the turn the tide a little. But I can't say I'm filled with a lot of optimism there, just because it just I just haven't been enjoying it. It's been focusing on a weird smattering of characters. It's not quite in the present. It's in the future, which makes it feel even less important in some ways. I'm just not really digging it. Um, next up is Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man number two. Um, this is uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis with artwork by David Marquez. Obviously, last issue had quite the cliffhanger with uh, Peter Parker showing up wanting his web shooters. So there's a l pretty long sequence of him and Miles Morales kind of having a fight about it. And then Peter knocking uh, Miles out and stealing the web shooters. Uh, and obviously, Miles is like, it's got to be a clone. It's got to be a clone. It couldn't be anything else, but it's going to have to have been a clone. Um, we're dealing again with these two uh, Spider-Man-like characters who keep kind of, I, I believe, hitting rocks on installations. Uh, so we're not really sure who these people are yet. Um, and then at the end we have Yonki and um, Miles talking about it's got to be a clone, what to do about Katie Bishop, and then Katie Bishop shows up and uh, she, it looks like Miles is about to tell her. So it should be interesting. Um, it's a little slow. That's why I'm only giving it a 7. It's good, but it's just... It's like a glacier at times, just watching it slowly move. Um, in terms of this, the way the how quick the story is is unfolding. Uh, then we have Moon Knight number four. Now I believe it was this week or recently that it, basically we've got confirmation that Warren Ellis is only doing the first six issues, which is a super big bummer. Uh, this is written by Ellis with artwork by Declan Shalvey. Uh, it remains very very good. Um, you have this Moon Knight basically shows up and deal and. Um, responds to this character and trying to deal with this uh, phenomenon, this, this scary room that he's dealing with. Um, and then Moon Knight kind of goes into this dream and and it it's pretty messed up. Um, and it's kind of a weird science experiment story. And the reason why this guy's been having such bad dreams is he's actually been breathing in this guy's dreams and he's responsible for basically having killed. Um, messed up, but very dark. But at the same time, really kind of trippy and, and interesting. I gave it an eight and a half. It remains a really well plotted, well done book, even though they're all done in ones. I mean, that's actually a benefit for the reader. Like, you could just pick up an issue and kind of get it, um, even though it's pretty messed up. Uh, next up is New Warriors, number five. Now, I like this book kind of in spite of myself. It's written by Christopher Yost, artwork by Nick, Nick Roche in this issue. Um... You have kind of the aftermath of uh, they're at Mount Wondegore kind of dealing with the aftermath of uh, the High Evolutionary, and they're kind of trying to clean up the the base and take out all the remaining uh, defenses. So we have Astro, sorry, Vance Astro or Justice, uh, Scarlet Spider, and Water Snake, which is this weird version of the of a character that looks a lot like Namorita or that they think is Namorita. Uh, you have Hummingbird, Speedball, Haichi, and Sun Girl trying to liberate the people in the village below, who actually are just fine. Uh, definitely an intriguing issue, uh, a little bit quieter, but I, I really like how these characters are interacting. I like that Erasely seems to be able to understand and only see uh, Penance instead of Speedball, so I'm hoping that they kind of go into that more to show why he seems to be so happy-go-lucky now, because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um... I'm hoping we get to see more about the uh, Namorita issue in the future as well. And now it looks like these Animan may have just uh, transported Matt Wonegore to New York. Uh, I like this issue. I think it's fun. I think the series has been fun. I don't think the general reaction to the book has been that strong, unfortunately. But I think it does have some merit. It definitely feels like kind of an old school fun teen teen, teen book. So I'm going to give it a 7.5. 
Uh, next up is Original Sin number three. Well, this is the big issue, isn't it? Um, it was definitely interesting. It was by Jason Aaron and Mike Diodato. Um, I like the whole bit with the orb and, uh, what is it, Dominatrix or whatever her name is, and Dr. Midas. Uh, I le you do have that kind of weird shot where the orb kind of unleashes uh, Yuatu's eye and now all these heroes kind of react to something that they saw and then they basically take off to deal with their own tie-ins. It's kind of interesting. Like, you don't need to follow them into the tie-ins, but if you are interested, you can do so. Uh, the orb is taken into custody. Uh, you have more of Doctor Strange and um, Punisher on the... Um, Somewhere beyond our dimension, dealing with you know, it would have taken a sharpshooter to do what seems to have been done, which is a, it's still a little uh, vague on the details. Uh, then on the outer rim of the galaxy, you have Winter Soldier, Moon Knight, and Gamora, which is one of the weirdest team ups ever. Uh, you have someone who's kind of behind it all, or seems to be leading things, and it definitely looks like it could be Fury, but we're not entirely sure. Um, dealing with some sort of agent he's dealing with. Uh, you have the orb threatened by uh, Wolverine and the Hulk, and I do like, he's like, uh, stab cop, smash cop. That's kind of a fun little thing to say. Um, then we flash to, on this alien planet, you have uh, Gamora, um, sorry, Gamora, uh, Winter Soldier, and, um, who's the other one? Gamora, Winter Soldier, and another character, oh, Moon Knight, uh, they realized that someone must have, you know, shot through this living planet and has kind of assassinated them. It looks like Bucky then blows up their, their way of getting off this planet and then somehow teleports to where Nick Fury is and um, shoots him uh, a couple times, or shoots him in the chest, shoots him in the arm, uh, actually blowing off his hand, and then takes out, like, a sword or a machete, and then chops off his head, and then you're kind of like, what the fuck, um... I'm really curious, but at the same time, like, I'm kind of like, you know, screw you, Marvel. There's no need. Like, this is the big summer blockbuster. We already had uh, the uh, the Watcher get with his eyes being gouged out, which is already brutal. And now we're having Nick Fury getting beheaded. Now, I'm sure it's probably not the real Nick Fury. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that it was an LMD or something else. But it just seems really excessive to have that kind of thing on the lap, on a page of a, a very mainstream book. Like, kids read comics. I know that maybe not a lot of them do, but kids can read comics and they're you know everyone they're promoting this big original sense this big crossover event it's huge it's supposed to be the big thing and so you know a kid picks it up and they get to the last page and like i wouldn't want my child looking at this like this is brutal there's no need for that like i miss the days of ambiguity where you kind of got a sense that something happened but you didn't have to see it but it's just ridiculous that they have to go to this level of detail to show you know Nick Fury's head being you know hoisted by uh, by Winter Soldier with the, like the blood and guts kind of hanging out of it. Like that's not what I'm reading a Marvel comic book for. I mean, come on, Marvel. This back in the day, like ten years ago, twelve years ago, this would have been in a Max comic, not in a freaking mainstream you know big crossover event. It's just it's just too much. Uh, I did like the issue. The ending definitely. I was not happy about and not happy about how it was portrayed either. I'm going to give it just a 7. It still looks gorgeous because of uh, Mike Diodato, and I'm glad he's on one of these big kind of tentpole books. And the last book this week is Superior, Superior Foes of Spider-Man number 12 by uh, Nick Spencer and... Uh, what it, which... Uh, I forget the artist. I think it's... It's not Larry Lieber. I keep wanting to think it's Larry Lieber. Uh, it's Steve Lieber, sorry. Um, I like this issue that we finally kind of get back to the main brunt of the story, that it's actually about the main characters again, so 
you have Overdrive, Beetle, and Boomerang finally coming uh, up to you know back together again. Uh, you have uh, Hydra Man trying to sell out his good friend Shocker to the Hammerhead. Uh, Boomerang's trying to um, put together a job to go in and uh, I guess liberate the painting, uh, and also try and come up with a way of, of getting their their own Justice Hurts. They're working for the Owl now. They put together the Sinister Sixteen. Um, really interesting. A lot of fun to read. I'm definitely interested where they're going to go with uh, Shocker and uh, Silvermane. It feels like this series doesn't have a lot of uh, issues left because, um, unfortunately, I'm sure the sales aren't stellar. Um, it remains an enjoyable book. I'm going to give this issue an 8 out of 10. And that is the last issue we're going to look at this week. Uh, books I didn't get a chance to look at include the following. Amazing X-Men Annual number 1, Aquaman and the Others number 3, Batman 66 meets Green Hornet number 1, Batwing 32, Cyclops number 2, Green Arrow 32, Green Lantern 32, Kai number 8, Iron Fist Living Weapon number 3, Iron Man 27, uh, Justice League 3000 number 7, um, Looney Tunes 219, Miracle Man 7, New 52 Features End number 5, Painkiller Jane 22 Brides number 1, Punisher number 6, Swamp Thing 32, Tiny Titans Return to the Treehouse number 1, Trinity of Sin, The Phantom Stranger number 20, Vampire Diaries number 6, and Wake number 9. Looking forward to two days from now uh, on July 11th. Um, There's some good comics coming out, I hope. Um, they include um, highlights being new issues of Batman Eternal and New 52 Features End, obviously, as well as um, the next issue of Manipul and Bucciolato's Detective Comics, uh, another chapter in the Green Lantern Corps uh, Uprising storyline and in the actual issue of Green Lantern Corps 32. Um, you have uh, JLA, Trade Paperback Volume 5, reprinting the 90s series. Uh, you have the second issue of Justice League United, um, which is what Mike McCone and Jeff Lemire. Uh, new issue, I'm sorry, new trade paperback of Red Hood and the Outlaws, which is volume four. Um, you have a new chapter of the Doomed Arc by, in Superman and Wonder Woman, as well as a new issue of World's Finest as it's issue 24. Uh, from Image Comics, um, there's uh, Red City number one coming out, as well as new issues of Walking Dead, etc. Uh, from Marvel Comics, there's going to be new issues of All New Invaders, which is the uh, original Sin tie-in. Uh, Old New X-Men has a new issue. You have the second chapter of uh, Learning to Crawl and Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, trade-wise, you have the Legacy of Thanos trade paperback in Avengers, which is collecting some more Roger Stern work. Uh, you have new issues of Captain Marvel and uh, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. Um, you've got a new chapter in the Hulk, by, Hulk book by Mark Wade and uh, Mark Bagley, which I'm really looking forward to. For those reading Mighty Avengers, uh, there is an original sin tie-in for that. Uh, there's a new uh, issue of New Avengers coming out, which I'm looking forward to. New issues of Nightcrawler and the new uh, tie-in miniseries Original Sins, plural. Um, you have new issues of Savage Wolverine, Secret Avengers, um, She-Hulk, which I'm super pumped for, as well as new issue of Wolverine. So that is everything coming up next week. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this podcast, which has been episode 173, the comic reviews for uh, the week of Wednesday, July, uh, sorry, June 4th. Again, tune in to um, the next episode this week coming out, which will be the Top 5 Avengers Storyline episode. If you want to send us an email, you can do so at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Uh, post in our HC Realms thread or uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Um, it's the best way for us to kind of grow the show in terms of the audience. So uh, if you do rate and review us, please let me know what country you're in and I will make sure to read your review on the air. Um, 
And also please subscribe to us on iTunes because that's the easiest way and fastest way to get new episodes uh, delivered right to your uh, iTunes device, iOS device, or if you're using iTunes on a computer. So thanks again for listening to the episode, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye.